Our topic is filling the pipeline, how a lead generation test strategy achieved an 86% increase. If you are an expert in this field, I think you'll find some interesting content today. If you are a neophyte in this field, I think also you'll find the content of some interest. It's based on a series of experiments conducted here by the scientists at marketingexperiments.com and our analysts. I'm joined by a number of key experts that are working in our various research specialties. One of those is Brian Carroll. Uh, Brian Carroll, who wrote the book, I think it's Lead Generation for the Complex Cell, and is the founder of InTouch, is an expert in uh, lead nurturing and the B2B work, and I've invited Brian to uh, participate with comments or thoughts as we work through these experiments. He may have insights that will help all of you on the line when it comes to planning your own uh, B2B um, campaigns, etc. Brian, uh, can, would welcome. Can Thank you, hear you me? for having me today, and uh, good day to everyone, and glad to be with you. Excellent. Thank you, Brian. Now, there are many other team members here. Aaron Rosenthal, our Director of Channels Research, he may have comments. Uh, the Managing Editor of the Market Experiments Journal is with us here. His name is Hunter, um, and uh, along with Hunter Boyle, I think we have um, uh, Bob Kemper, who's the Director of Sciences in our research group. Uh, I'm giving you these names because we all may be interacting from time to time as we go back and forth. But for now, I'd like to get right into the first set of experiments. So let's begin. Whether you market to B2B or to B2C, uh, testing and optimizing even a few key aspects of your landing pages obviously can provide major gains. Most of us have learned that in the last 24 months, and we're always seeking that next lift that comes from deep optimization. Uh, but the principles of the marketing experiment convergence sequence serve as a heuristic. Some of you who may have a strong background uh, are able to, uh, in terms of mathematics, maybe looking at our convergence sequences from time to time and trying to solve the mathematical aspect of the coefficients in the equation. If you're doing that, please know what the, the goal is. You can solve the conversion index when you apply uh, math if you assign uh, numerals to the variables, but its real goal is to serve as a heuristic, which allows you to think holistically about the optimization process. We've taught it in the past. Some of you are familiar with friction, one of the key elements, anxiety, another key element, and those elements will be very important as we begin to go forward today and ask ourselves a simple question, and that is what can we learn from these experiments that we're about to present that will help you and I to go back and increase the overall yield of our demand generation efforts. Uh, as we do that, I want to show you an interesting piece of research that we recently uncovered as we were preparing the, uh, the Marketing Sherpa Business Technology Benchmark Guide. Our research shows that the biggest challenge for marketers is actually filling the pipelines with leads. And if you'll look at this chart from uh, the new guide, you'll see that stage one, lead generation, getting the volume of names is the greatest challenge according to the marketers that we have uh, surveyed. 30% say that's their, their number one problem. The second uh, problem in terms of volume, and it's very close, there's three that are neck and neck. That's lead impact, understanding what happens with the leads, lead nurturing, and of course, lead identification, figuring out which names are valuable. These are all closely connected to the problems we're gonna address with these experiments today. And uh, we're going to do our very best to try and uh, present you actionable information that you can take back and apply to your own process. So as you think about that, I'd like to ask you one question yourself. Uh, which aspect of the lead process frustrates you the most? And I'm going to open a poll and allow you to vote. You should be able to see that on your screen. And let's see what your, uh, the audience determines based on their own experience, and then we'll move forward with the actual experiments themselves. So give us your vote. We're watching as the vote comes in. 17% of you have voted, 23%. There's a polling feature that you can use on the small window that comes up. 35% have voted. 38% keep voting. When I reach the right number statistically, I shall close the poll and share with you what our audience is saying. All right, we're going to close the poll now and show you the results. 
interestingly enough, they match our meta-research that was done to some extent. 34% of you say it's getting a volume of names. And uh, that roughly matches what we've seen as we've checked across the industry. So let's talk about how to get more names. I think that's what we want to do. And let's begin with the background from a particular experiment. As we do that, look at friction and incentives. These two elements are vital, and they will help set up the experiment that we posed uh, in this uh, particular first case study. You'll see that friction is balanced against incentives because in every process there's inherent friction. Friction is a kind of psychological resistance to a given element in the cell process. It comes from the number of form fields. It comes from the difficulty of the form fields, but it's not just form fields. Even the IPATH layout can cause this. Incentives is an appealing element you introduce to stimulate a desired action. And what you're going to discover, uh, really, from research is that you can't actually eliminate all friction and capture a lead because you're going to ask people for something. The key is to have the sub-value proposition tuned properly so that what you ask them for is compensated by what you offer in return. And sometimes that requires you to add an incentive. There are three principles. I'll review these and we'll go to the case study. One of the most effective ways to increase conversion is to decrease friction. We've seen this over and over again. We've seen, I think of one I've showed in some of my previous case studies, we reduced friction and increased conversion on a sign-up process by 816%. By the time we get to the last case study, I'm going to show you how we increase sign-up uh, at a level that's higher than almost any experiment I've ever seen before uh, in the 2,000-plus percentile, and you're gonna, you, you really need to see that. It's our final case study. In each case of, that we point out for you, the objective is to minimize, not eliminate friction, and then sometimes to compensate for that with incentive. Most of us have learned that if you've been in our previous studies, but sometimes it's easier said than done. And here, in this particular case, we ran a sequential test with the goal of increasing conversion rate on a form page that requested demographic information. In the first phase of the test, the control offered an incentive, an ebook, and the treatment did not. So the primary research question is this, which page will produce the highest conversion ratio? And the second research question was, what is the impact of an incentive on completion of the form? Now, as you think about that, I'd like to show you the two pages. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to vote. Here's the demographic form page with the ebook incentive, all right? We're asking you to complete the information in that form. Now, as we ask you to do that, we're offering you the free book. And as you look at the free book, you make a decision as to whether or not you're willing to go forward. That's the control. Let's look at the very next page. By the way, many of you, uh, as you begin to think of questions and type them in, I'm going to do my very best to answer questions. I know that our conference is completely full. Uh, some of you are not able to log in, and uh, we keep maxing out the technology. I do apologize for that. I will do my very, very best to help you uh, by expanding the conference system this week we're trying to put together a larger technology system to accommodate uh, all of the demand. Uh, but as I do that, look with me, please, at the next version, Treatment 1. This page does not offer the incentive. So let's look at the two side by side, the control and the treatment. Now, I'd like you to vote. Open up. I'm going to open a poll for you, and you tell me, as an expert marketer, which page will produce the highest yield. So here we go. By the way, these are not trick questions. Sometimes you're surprised by the results. <laughs> Sometimes so are we. Marketer's intuition is not enough. But you may get this right. So I just want to see which one you think and why. All right? All right, so your votes have come in. I'm watching. Give us vote faster. Vote faster. Pick the control of the treatment. I need to get a larger sample size before I close the poll. By the way, uh, and I say this facetiously, uh, we, we, but we are, we are actually timing how rapidly you vote, and this also gives us a sense as to how sophisticated our audience is. 
<laughs> you're at you're at fifty percent. Give us some more. You're doing well. All right. I'm going to I'm going to close the poll, and uh, we'll see what you think. All right. And now here's the results. As you can see, eighty-one percent believe it's the form with the ebook incentive, and nineteen percent believe it is uh, treatment one. All right. Let's uh, let's discover what the numbers actually say. All right. So here we are. The ebook incentive version produced a conversion rate of 54.13%. Treatment 1 with no incentive produced a conversion rate of 78.87%. These are our highly optimized pages in a process by the way. What's the relative difference? 45.69%. What you need to understand of course is that the treatment page without the incentive outperformed the ebook now, my audience chose the opposite, and I commend you. You're right to think the incentive will outproduce the treatment, but many of us do not understand the proper work of incentive in demand generation, and I did not design this particular experiment to trick you or to surprise us. We were literally trying to understand whether or not the ebook incentive would function as well as we think. And here is the greater lesson that I hope you're capturing. If you happen to be the company who ran the ebook without the treatment that we just put together, and you were achieving a 54.13% conversion rate, you would be at the next conference marketing Sherpa with your colleagues bragging about your 54% conversion rate, never knowing that you were losing 45.69% because you didn't properly test. Now, there is a reason beneath the reason, and I want to talk to you about that reason because the goal of this particular call today is to actually give you actual information that you can immediately apply to your own process and achieve a result. I am not trying to entertain you or stack up data or impress you with knowledge or or brag about marketing experiments. And I want to know uh, why, and that's the foundation of all good research. And we've been digging down to understand why, and I want to tell you what we've been learning. The ebook incentive did not increase conversion on this page. With that, we discovered. It had a negative effect. But what's the reason? Well, I'm going to tell you the bottom line reason. You can read the text I have on the screen, but I, I, it's something that I've emphasized before, and it's something that I would emphasize again. Never use an incentive that requires you to sell it before you can sell the main offering. If you go back and look at the original pages with the incentive, What's happening is you're having to work too hard to create the value of the incentive before you create the value of the offer in the rest of it. There's a reason people began to fill out this process, and that reason is their prime motivator. And you can add to that prime motivator by providing them an extra incentive, extra value. But when you do so, you cannot interrupt the sequence of thoughts with a separate evaluation of the incentive. If the person doesn't immediately recognize the incentive is high value, then you lose them in a bout of unsupervised thinking while they go back and try to discover whether or not that incentive is worthwhile to them. And even worse, and this is just pure cognitive psychology, if they determine the incentive is not worth it, for some reason, I suspect, they lose the connection and you have a bit of transference that takes place and they suddenly don't even see the balance of your offer as being worth it. They may have viewed it as potentially worth it before, but the fact that the incentive is weak has somehow transferred into their evaluation of your offering. What is the lesson? You must have an incentive with a high perceived value differential. It must be worth a lot more to your market than it costs you, and it, it must be so evident that they don't have to think three times about it to determine that they want it. They see it, and they want it. That's the bottom line. They see it, and they want it. So all of these are critical. Incentives must be tested until you found the one that provides this major boost. Even good incentives can fail, though, due to presentation errors. Weak copy, 
a, a graphic image, don't ever pass out an ebook that doesn't look sterling online. And be careful because ebooks mean nothing now unless there is a celebrity author or content that people would die for. And you need to understand how to assess the value of the content because there is no value in the ebook. The value is in the content itself. And if we don't think about that, and if we have to, to sell the ebook because people aren't familiar with either the offer or the absolute uh, value of the content you've just lost in the demand gen process. Now, there's more I can say, and there's more here, and there's more we'll send you when we uh, invite you to read the online briefing. But there is friction on the page. Now, look at some of the comments that are coming in, and these are very good. Uh, you, you, you probably need to know, some of you are asking, what is friction? I'm assuming that you've been following the Marketing Experiments research. Uh, if you have not, there's $10 million for the free research on the website, and I don't know of anything directly for sale there. Just go and get the research and read the conversion index and learn what friction is. But friction is any part of the process that creates aggravation or psychological resistance. It's different than anxiety. Anxiety creates more than just resistance. It creates concern, and that's a different area that you have to solve for. But the bottom line is that you want to use incentives in proximity to friction, especially at the call to action, to encourage sign-ups. I want to say this, and I'm going to move on. Everything in, this, in this, this set of experiments is not about incentives. If you've been taught about that before with us, stand by. The last case study is what I find most fascinating, and we're going there. But I would like to say this to everyone who perhaps has not heard it from uh, me before. If you were to hire the best team of researchers in the world, and they were to build the best website in the world, and it had the highest conversion ratio of anyone in your industry, and then you were to come to Marketing Experiments and say, can you improve on this? First of all, uh, we don't consider ourselves experts uh, in, 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 a, in the sense of uh, that we try. We, we don't trust our own opinion. We want to test. We have developed heuristics that allow us to determine whether treatment should be tested, and they have produced significant results. So I wouldn't come back with a uh, strong claim, yes, we can improve it. But if I had to, and if you put a gun to my head and said, I'm going to pull the trigger unless you improve my conversion, I would test incentives because I can improve the best offer in the world by adding more value, by adding an incentive. So if you want to spike B2B, add an incentive. But here's a caveat. Do not add an incentive that is completely unrelated to the B2B core offering because you're liable to get bad quality leads if you do. A trip to Hawaii is likely not going to work unless, unless you're getting people to sign up for some kind of travel subscription or travel product. Correlate, correlate, correlate. All right, let's move on to another case study. Um, this is the second case study in our series, and it's uh, a sequential test. We ran the winning treatment from phase one against the new treatment. So we'd already captured a significant gain, and now we were trying to beat this gain again. And the simple research question is, which form will produce the higher conversion rate? All single factorial A-B split test research questions begin with the word which. You can go to university, and you can get a PhD and not understand that. But if you don't begin with that question, your research question is framed wrong. There are other questions beneath that, but that's the one that needs to be uh, in your mind as you ask the question. With no incentives on either page, our test sought to determine the impact of using a longer form with more demographic questions. What effect would a longer form with additional friction have on the conversion rate? Now, some of you are asking, well, that's a stupid question. If you add a lot of form fields and friction, of course conversion is going to go down. But there is a method uh, to our madness and I'll try to explain it to you, but first I want to show you the two pages and ask you to vote. Same site, new test, first treatment. There's the form without incentive, remember? That's the one that beat. That's the one that captured the, the most in our previous case study. So now we're going to test it like that, and we're going to test it like this. Now, if you were one of the people who wrote me just earlier and said, okay, I don't understand what friction is. Well, now you should. Look at that page. There's friction. All those form fields and questions increase the psychological resistance. All right, now, as you're looking at that, I'd like you to, to be prepared to vote. I'm going to open the poll. This, again, is not a trick question, 
but the poll is open. Please tell me uh, which one, the shorter version or the longer version. Now, I, I don't want to put you under any stress, but as you're voting, I would like to point out that we can electronically now determine which person is voting for which, and this will be in your permanent marketing record. We'll have to share this later with the world. Um, I hope you know that I'm teasing. I can't tell what you're voting for. All right. You're a confident bunch because after the last after the last test, uh, it became very clear that the large majority of the audience chose the wrong treatment, and you're voting in the same predictable way now. And if you're very smart, I'd like to point out for you that I just invalidated this test because I've created something called histriosity effect. Uh, I've spoken to you in such a way during the vote as to influence the outcome of the vote. Of course, you've seen that in Florida politics, but let's move on. I am I am at 75 and 25 and going up. I need a few more votes. I'm going to close the poll and tell you what we discovered. All right, treatment one or treatment two. In case you're not perfectly sure, I'm going to show them side by side just to make it easier. Oh, I can't do that yet. There you go. Yeah, I can. There they are, side by side, treatment one, treatment two. And we're going to close the poll, and we're going to show you the results. And this is how you voted. 76% said treatment one, 24% said treatment two. Some of you <laughs> are hedging your bet. All right, let's discover what happened next. If you look at the table, those of you that said the short copy with no incentive would outperform the long copy with no incentive are possibly right. Now, I use the word possible there, which kind of throws the entire um, chart off just a bit because clearly, according to the numbers, it's one it's negative 22.22% in the CR difference, which means that treatment two failed. The longer version failed. The the shorter the shorter version won. But I didn't ask which one would get the highest conversion rate. I asked which one would perform the best. And I'd like to talk about that for just a moment by showing you why it might be, I'm only saying it might be that treatment one is better than treatment two. Uh, you can read all of the comments put in here by our managing editor and from uh, our conversations with our sciences and a research team. But I think what you need to be aware of is the third bullet point. Although, although the longer form field yielded fewer conversions, 61% of the visitors still completed the form and provided more demographic information than the short version. Now, here's my question for you. In your own process, with a slight differential, 22%, I'm not saying that's too slight, but it's not 50%. It's 22%, less than a quarter. Would it actually be better for you to get that quality of information for a 22% differential in ultimate conversion? I mean, what we're really talking about here is not just the quantity of the leads, but the quality of the leads. And it might be argued that you could achieve higher quality leads, more higher quality leads. In fact, let's make it simple. Let's suppose that we took all the leads from process A, we put them on file cards and laid them on a very long table, and we did the same thing with all the leads from process B. We know that from the, the longer form, we would have more, I'm sorry, we would have less leads and then from the shorter form, we would have more leads. But if we could somehow psychically identify the good leads from the bad leads and take them off the table, could it be that the longer form produced more quality leads? In fact, you know, think about the question a, a bit differently, and it gets even clearer. You recall the conversion index. Everyone on this line doesn't know the conversion index. I know that. You should. Uh, it's the conversion sequence uh, officially, and you can find it at Marketing Experiments, but it's the C equals 4M plus 3V. It's a heuristic we use to analyze a web page. The highest coefficient, the most important variable in determining whether or not a given process will convert is the motivation of the users coming in from the channel. Clearly, 
Clearly, those users which will take time to fill out more fields and forms are more motivated. And typically, typically, they're better leads. So what do you do? What's the answer? How do you know? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about a way to deal with this and try to give you something you can take back and change in your own site. I'm prepping for my third case study, but I want to stop for a moment and see if, uh, Brian, you have any thoughts on this. Because Brian, and I'll just say this about Brian, Brian's expertise takes place, his core skill, he leads a team of 65 uh, experts, and what they do is they pick up the lead after it's come through the process. If Brian was working with, uh, say, this group, he would be able to take the lead once it's come in and cultivate it and nurture it and establish conversation and increase the quality of the lead and increase the likelihood that you'd be able to convert that lead, particularly when there's a complex B2B cell involved. Now, Brian, I may have said that wrong. You correct me, but this is what I think you're doing in, in our research, so you <laughs> feel free to. You did a nice job uh, in, uh, introducing what we do. And as, as I was looking at the research, I was um, really compelled by the – and a lot of it supports what I think most of us know. Generally speaking, um, the shorter forms will typically outperform longer forms, and the – the ones who do go through the effort of that um, that bar that's been set, they they are more motivated, and um, you know some of the listeners here may be having challenges with controlling their web forms. Um, I was talking to one marketer who, uh, part of a large company, had zero control over her forms, and she had um, it, her form just looked like that the second one we just saw in, the, in this case study that's performing worse, but she said that in, in what we were showing is that the conversion rate on those people who completed longer forms was actually higher than those that completed shorter forms uh, when, when they had more control. Partly, it's because anyone who was a mild, mildly interested didn't want to go through the effort and, and wasn't ready to do that. So if you're going to go with short forms and you don't have the uh, ability to control your process, it's one or the other, what I would recommend is you really need to think about adopting a lead nurturing uh, concept and process. And uh, we could talk more about that, but look up lead nurturing in Google and you'll find some good resources out there um, that, that I've written on that subject. And uh, thanks for sharing this case study. I think it's been very useful. Aaron, do you have any thoughts? Aaron's our director of channels research, and I, I don't know if you're muted or you can quickly speak, but do you have any thoughts based on what we've shared thus far? I want to make sure people are hearing from more than just me. No, it's probably important to spell out that this was a short form, um, not not a long, drawn-out lead generation form, this particular test. So um, had, it been, had it been a long form and they were used to receiving this much uh, or, or answering that many questions on the lead generation part, we might have had slightly different outcomes. But uh, um, other than that, that, that would be the one thing caveat that I'd like to add. I, I'd like to – I'm going to – I'm going to believe it or not, you're looking at the slides, and I've paused the slides. And in my own ugly way, I am actually creating a slide for you because I want to teach a concept right now. This is not in my notes. I'm going to – but I believe it, you know, I just want to help you, and I think I can help you more but with, this, with this simple slide that I'm creating. And so as I do that, in a minute I'm going to try to fire this up and, and keep things seamless as I show you. But you're looking at a slide while I, I, I've inserted one into my presentation and actually been doing a schematic for you. And I think I'll just, without doing any more to it, I'll just go ahead and go back to that. So I'm going to, going to put myself back in in a different mode, and I'm going to take the pause off, I think. And you should be seeing a strange little slide that I've just made quickly. Now, you need to see this slide and understand it because I want to talk to you about how you can control and fix a really big problem for most of us in demand gen. If you are in the marketing group, you are often at the mercy of a sales team who comes to you and says, look, we're not getting enough leads. We need more leads. Now, they're missing your numbers. They're blaming you because you didn't give enough leads. And so, you know, you feel the pressure. You rush out, and you do your very best to get more leads for them, and you do all that you can. You probably do some optimization, maybe take a certification class, whatever you do. You send them more leads, and the next thing you hear, because, again, they miss their numbers, is uh, the, we, we, we need better quality leads. These leads are not the best quality. 
either way, you can find yourself very frustrated because uh, they want more better. And the problem is more and better are two different objectives, and you're stuck trying to get both of those objectives accomplished on one page. I have solved this before by creating two radial dials. Think of it like an old-fashioned uh, radio, and you, 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 you can turn the dial on the left and turn the dial on the right. And I've made a little diagram for you, and I'd like to explain those dials to you as, uh, before we move on. The dial on the left is your prime optimized landing page, and if I had time to finish the diagram, I would have said most leads. And, 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 or I'd have just put most on that page. It is designed with minimal friction to capture the most leads. Generally, it should just be a name, an email address, maybe a phone number, nothing more. Simple, tight offer, really rich. You want to get the most leads you can possibly get. Now, then you create dial B, which is actually a new page, and it has more form fields, and you request them to give you additional information. They move to the site, they complete dial, they complete the first page, and then you try to get them to complete the second page. You might even add a bit of incentive, or you might not. But you, 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 you now try to qualify the lead. You now try to score the lead. And you now have dial A and dial B. Here's what's interesting. Once you've learned how to apply the marketing experiment's conversion sequence, you literally can reduce friction on dial A and blast up the most leads. You on dial B can slightly reduce friction to adjust the quality. A little. If you've got super good quality, you might slightly reduce the form fields on dial B or the difficulties and try and get uh, the happy medium for a good quality lead but not one that's, that you've, been, you've qualified out or you've gotten too narrow and lost good people. Or you can say, you know what, we're overwhelmed with business. Let's take dial B and let's dial up the difficulties on this page, the friction on this page, so that we can get only the most motivated users, which we hope will be the most qualified users. Now, by controlling the two dials separately, you have the unique opportunity to, to be able to adjust upward both quantity and quality. It's a lovely way, and there's something else you can do, and this is more sophisticated, but, I, but I, I find it very helpful. When lead quality goes down or when leads go down, you're not left in the dark. If you see the quality of leads go down, you can go back and say, yeah, but is the quality of leads over, is the quantity of leads going down? And you can realize that, wait a second, there may just be less opportunity on the net or less people searching on the net because lead quantity went down at the same time as lead quality. Or you can change the dial differently, and you can, you can answer other questions such as, uh, I've noticed that lead qual quantity is going down, but lead quality is going up. And what does that tell you about the marketplace? It eliminates, this kind of uh, dial system eliminates uh, the, the whole notion that many of us have that we have to speculate all the time about what, what's happening. It's really rich. And we developed it to solve a problem in a research project, and it might be helpful for you. And... Uh, uh, but we're afraid that you can't use it unless you pay the marketing experiments team a, a very large licensing fee, which is yet undetermined. Uh, <laughs> email us, <laughs> and, uh, and we'll give you the rights. No, take it and use it and improve your lead generation process. And let's look at uh, that particular scenario, and then let's move forward and look at a new case history. So here it is, third case study, a little more complex. I need you to concentrate. As I do that, uh, I want to just stop for a moment. I'm going to go to the third case study, but I'm just going to look at a few questions. And I'm going to try to answer those. And if you have a question right now, feel free to type it in uh, because I'm looking at here as they come in. And uh, someone said they noticed there was a skip this step link. And they're trying to ask a question. They didn't complete the question, but it's, it's, it, it, there is a skip this step link, and it's another way to control or score the quantity or quality of leads. Sometimes you can do that on the very page with Ajax, but never try to do all your lead generation on the same page without the two dials, because I'm sorry, but you can't optimize for quality and quantity at the same time. You never know which one is you're losing. Uh, so let's look at another question. Uh, couldn't see the graphics, the boxes are blank. Yes, those were little drawings that I made while we were talking. Uh, in the final version, we'll give you something clearer. Um, someone said, please explain the difference between sign-ups and registrations. Uh, there is no difference. Uh, if you're a philosopher, you would say it's a, a, 
and if you're familiar with the famous philosopher Wittgenstein, it's a Wittgensteinian linguistics problem. The only thing I would say is in most tests, the word registration typically produces more negative feedback than the word sign up. I don't like either one. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I think I'll register for something today. And we really don't want to sign up either. All right. Someone says, what about pre-form uh, questions, sometimes called an involvement device, questions that reemphasize the benefits? Good question. Somebody with some experience in the business is asking this. Uh, I only use pre-form questions when I'm trying, and that is uh, some preliminary questions that are designed to get people to think the way you want them to think. It's really about cognitive psychology again. I only use them when I'm trying to start a sequence of thoughts that I want them to continue, and I'd be very careful about using them on the net. In particular, uh, very careful about using them on uh, the first page. If I use them at all, I might use them on the second page of the dial, only because I always want to know that I got as many potential names in the pot as possible. The other thing I would say to you about this that's fascinating, and, and may I point out to the person that asked that question, those kinds of leading questions are, are used and more likely used when you're actually driving them towards a sale. But when you're just capturing a lead, they don't necessarily need to be part of the form fill process because the sequence of thoughts will be interrupted before they actually communicate with you. By the way, most of us, if, if you could improve our results by adding a chat feature right there at the lead generation form, and it can well pay for itself. And that changes what I just said a bit. Um, I think I, I need to go on. There's more I'd like to say. I hope we're helping you with this information. Uh, someone said, which testing method would you tackle first, quality of incentive or incentive versus no incentive? Start with incentive versus no incentive so that you can see a lift. When you get an incentive that actually gives you a lift, then move to quality of incentive and test three to five incentives against each other at least so that you've opened the field wide enough to get your highest possible value. Uh, before I move to the final case study, Aaron or Brian or Bob, does anyone like to comment on answers to any of the questions that were asked or any other thoughts anyone has? I suppose your silence means no. No, I don't have anything. Uh, I don't have anything to add. Uh, the one, you know, it, it's important that that I think we 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 recognize that that this is a what Flint's suggesting. You're going to get some. You may get some feedback from your sales department, but this is a marketing test, and what what we need to what we need to all start thinking about. Um, is not how do we uh, make everybody make everybody happy, but rather the results are what makes what will make everybody happy. And sales will be thrilled when you have one more qualified leads to send them, and then when there's when there is lacked in those really really qualified leads, then they'll have this pool of additional leads that they can follow up with and start cultivating and, and building relationships with. So. All right. Well, I think that's a valuable point. I also think that if you do it right, the first page does a tremendous amount of email capture, which gives you, and if you send it commission-based, you can actually use that to start another nurturing process and build a significant, Absolutely. a very significant list. Absolutely. We've built lists in the millions this way. I'm thinking about uh, NAR, Aaron, and some of those. All right. So let's, let's go on. We Here's a case study. Very fascinating. Really interesting, and I want to try to go through it, answer questions, and I'm trying to get to live optimization. I'm going to pick somebody from the audience and look at your demand generation form. So uh, stay with us, and we'll try to get this third case study communicated clearly, rapidly, but uh, succinctly. We conducted a radical redesign test. Some of you know what a radical redesign is. We teach that in our certification program on testing. It's, it's a challenge to the very category of your landing page. Sometimes we make too many incremental improvements and don't test the very premise of the landing page. We conducted a radical redesign test for the same research partner, and the goal here was to increase signups for targeted email alerts as well as registrations. Here's the primary research question. Which page generates the most email alert signups? That's what they wanted, more email alert signups. The secondary question was, which page generates the most registrations? That's for something else in their product offering. And then there was a third question, because they were interested in advertising and other potential um, revenue, which page generates the most page views per visitor session? Now, those are three 
objectives. So it's important to know what the first one is, and that's the priority. What we wanted most of all was more email alert signups. And the other two were ancillary but important. And let's look at how we approached it. So uh, this is the landing page. You can see the create email alert button. It's in, circled in blue. Then you see the subscribe to RS. It's circled in pink. Uh, and those are all critical buttons, but I want you to note the, the issue here. Uh, this is the control landing page. Is that the, the, the many decision points on this landing page led to unsupervised thinking. We call it friction, but friction isn't just form fields. It's uh, psychological resistance. Too much, too many options, too many choices, not enough thought leadership moving through the sequence on the page. All right? Now, the next move was um, look at the control page a little bit in more depth here. Uh, step one is decide what to do. Email alerts, RSS, view it, get it in a PDF format, an RTF format, and then you went to step two and you had to fill out a registration form in a pop-up window. So uh, all we're doing is kind of blowing this out and helping you see step one and step two. Lots of choices on step one. And then if you chose create email alert, you were taken to this second page, the one on your right, and you had to complete that information. All right? Keep watching. I see, I see this type of thing on B2B sites everywhere. The next one was decide on additional offers. Now we have upsells for you or other offers for you. And the next step, step four, was to fill out the alert request. And if you can see then on step four on the right how that was specified. All right. So let's look at our test design. So the control path as you can see, went from partner traffic to the control to the pop-up registration page to the special offer page to create your alert page. But the new path has an optimized page, pop-up registration and alert creation, and special offer page, and email alert sign-up confirmation company page. I know that doesn't make sense yet, but it will. It's different. Let's look at it. Here in the treatment, the decision points have been reduced, way less for you to think about. We removed the RSS feed option. We removed the RTF format option. The row of icons removed. There was a stronger call to action, and the call to action says turn on the email alerts. It's a much better button. Follow that. That's step one. Let's look at step two. Clicking. You can see it now on the turn on. Remember that button? Turn on the, the, the alert. The turn on CT button takes the visitor straight to step two, and it's combining what was before a registration process and the alert sign-up form. So you don't have to do two. It's done in one. It's done with first name, last name, email, and password. There's nothing else. I would like to do it with less. But I'd like to email the password to them and reduce this. There's some other changes we can do. Look at the neat button underneath it. Get my free access now. Every button has a value proposition implied, a sub-value proposition. Every button should give you a reason to click, not just tell you to click. Registered implies no value. Sign up implies no value. Get something. That implies value. That's step two, and that's the change. I want you to show I want you to see that. Now let's go to the next step. Here we have the same special offer page. That's very important. They they wanted that. But even if they didn't complete it, we already had the information on them. Which brings us to step four, and it simply confirms that your alert has been created. Now the point is that by the time we got them through the first two steps, we had the critical information that we needed. Everyone understand that? Now, here's the question for you. What's the difference in performance making these changes? What could a change like this mean to your own site? And here is the answer. Look at the numbers. If you study them differently, they're fairly dramatic. Alert signups increased by 2,559%. Page views per session went up by 35%, and the number of registrations went up by 86%. Now, you know, these are real numbers. Uh, what's interesting through the way we've designed experiments at, here in marketing experiments, if you've studied uh, behavioral science, we do what we call field experiments. We work with research partners and conduct these experiments in real settings. This is not a lab test. This 
in the sense that it was done in isolation against a product or that isn't real or a scenario that isn't genuine. This this company got a 2,500-plus percent lift in signups. And not only that, but they got a lift in page views of 86% and uh, and a page views per session by 35%. Uh, so let me say that uh, page views per session by 35 and registrations by 86%. This is dramatic, very dramatic. And, of course, it has a major impact on their future and, and their revenue. Now, what is the point for all of us? I think there are several things we should be able to learn from this, and I want to summarize those, and I'm going to go to one of your landing pages. How am I doing? I'm running out of time, uh, and I just want to say, hmm, the most important thing here, I think, what we've covered thus far is the fact that you need to learn how to control both the quantity and the quality of your leads. You need to recognize that you don't want to use an incentive that you have to sell before you actually sell what you're selling. And you probably need to recognize that you do not want to present too many options, have too much unsupervised thinking, or require more than one sequential step at a time in the process, in the thought process, a person who's visiting your site and whom you are trying to achieve uh, some kind of relationship with. Lead generation is not lead generation. It's relationship development. You're earning the right to develop a relationship. And when you think of it that way, it will change how many of us build our forms and think, and you'll be more effective. Now, having said that, I'd like to just move swiftly. Submit your demand generation. This is B2B right now, um, and I need a B2B company. Don't just submit your domain. Tell me the nature of the business. I want a domain. If you just submitted your domain, um, then submit. Tell me what it is. Tell me what the product is or the business industry is, Okay. I see windows and siding, uh, hospice, shoot me some, and we're going to quickly go to one of those sites. John, I'm going to ask you to come over and assist me. Okay. Keep going. There's a tax resolution firm for small businesses. And what is that? Uh, is that franchise opportunities? I'm not sure what your URL is that goes with that. Okay. I, I need you to submit the business. And the domain. So you're telling me what you're doing it in, business intelligence, 401k allocation. I need that and then, you know, dash your domain. Resubmit those and I'll pick one rapidly for you, okay? All right, B2B. Demand generation. All right. I'm going to take... Um, I'm going to take a, a site. I haven't seen the site yet, but we've highlighted it. We're going live to it right now. As we get to that page, I'm going to queue up Brian Carroll and Aaron Rosenthal. We have just a few minutes left, and we want to help every one of you that are on the phone. The idea is not simply to optimize this site. If you've attended these events before, we've gotten much feedback in the past from people who had 10 minutes of optimization like this and, and sometimes doubled their revenue. I can... We've shared you some of those case studies. It's really quite remarkable. But the idea is not to double the revenue of the one person on the call, uh, but it is to actually help everybody who's listening to us think about that site. We want you to think in the same way about your site. So we're going to the URL right now, and uh, and there we are. All right, so it's a national truck driver school. Programs and courses offer driving training, semi-trailers, qualify your commercial driver's license. So these this group, if it's like those that I've studied in the past, they want you to sign up for a lead, and at least in the past, it wasn't your cash. It was uh, it was a set-aside funding, third-party funding that they could access if they got you involved. So they needed you to commit to schooling, and then they helped you raise funding for the schooling. That may not be their model, but the bottom line is they need a lead. All right, so I'm on the page. It's got a display problem right now uh, for Mozilla. That's the first thing you want to notice. Aaron Rosenthal, go for it. Tell us what you would do. Sorry, I'm still waiting for it to refresh my browser. Okay, okay. Now, we're going to apply the conversion index that we teach here. So we're looking right now, uh, first of all, friction. While we're doing that, everybody on the line right now, use your Q&A feature and tell me what you would change about this page. Tell me what's wrong with it. I'm going to listen to your comments. Aaron, you get ready to speak. The rest of you, tell me, uh, not sure what you want me to do, someone said. Absolutely right. No clear call to action. 
uh, hard to find the call to action. Simplify the text. Too cluttered. Uh, too busy. No obvious way to sign up. Make click here much more visible. No focus. I'm reading your, your comments. What is the value proposition? No too many options. Take the navigation off. Poor eye tracking. No congruence. Somebody's been through our training. Good for you. Uh, that was Paras, Ashada, uh, if I pronounced it properly. Good for you. Let's let's move on. As we're doing that, uh, Aaron, you tell me. You guys sure. can keep talking to us, but tell us how you would uh, change this page, Aaron. It sounds like it sounds like one of the uh, the visitors that already already hit on the the, the main thing, and, and that's I can't even find your your call to action. And I did after somebody said click, you know, mentioned the click here. But until then, I couldn't find it. And the reason is it's so overpowered by the top now, the top banner uh, placement and those two boxes and the very, very large click here for MSN Money, uh, Forbes.com. And I don't know what that is, if that's an affiliate thing or if that's what you're really trying to get get people to do. But you know, when I finally when I finally found the click here and I, You there? The, we lost you. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, somebody came to my door. Um, when I finally found the click here and, and clicked on it, there's a, there's a whole form that, that could be embedded on the first page. If you want them to fill out that form, don't make them click to actually fill it out. Or better yet, do what Flint suggested and go for the most quantity and use a name and an e collect a name and an email on the first page and on the next page, then start to collect all this address, city, state, zip code. Email or uh, phone number, age, and all the other things you need to qualify them as a lead. If you don't collect the email, or if you don't collect uh, all that information on the second page, you still have the email to go back and try to recover them. Now, yes, um, uh, Brian Carroll, what are your thoughts? Well, from the statements that the the other listeners had, those those yes. were my initial thoughts. Really, I, I was struggling to find the. Uh, where do I go from here in terms of that, that next step? And it wasn't clear to me um, why I'm clicking here in the first place. Let me suggest this, too. For those of you, you know, we pulled this random. This was a, a, a last-minute live optimization for you. And you may be thinking, yeah, but my site's way better than that. All right, listen to me carefully uh, because I'm going to take what Brian uh, and, and Aaron has said. I'm running out of time, and I just – I want to apply something that will apply to everyone else in these last few minutes. I'm going to tell you exactly how to think about this site in a way that would fix yours. I don't care if yours is three times better. I want to just see if Brian has any closing comment, and then I'm going to walk right through a protocol that applies to any site, even remotely similar, like you have left nav and top banner. Go ahead, Brian. Well, I think you said it best that, uh, remember, lead generation is really about the uh, building a relationship and and. You said that and realize when people are filling out the form, um, also to be mindful, what are you going to do after they fill that form out and how are you going to build that relationship with them? How are you going to engage them? Are there ways that uh, you're able to have more relevant communications afterwards? Because sometimes generating activity is, is one step, but op optimizing that to convert uh, that activity and those relationships into one customer is a whole other story. So, right. yeah. Thank you. And just All right. Well, then um, let's go ahead. Yes. I'm sorry, Flint. Bob. Um, yes. Just another thought on the um, on the site or the um, page layout. Um, the hard boxes, the thick uh, orange boxes, uh, interrupt the site uh, flow. You know, the the, the eye path is, is not there. You're you're stopping in blocks at each one and having to make sense. So there's a lot of uh, difficulty or yes. uh, friction there. Absolutely right. Uh, if you were going to think about this page, let's move through it quickly in a way that would help you if you've got your own page. In fact. If you if you can pull your page up and look as I talk about this one, you might find uh, direct uh, parallels. Number one, you you want to think about the motivation of the users coming into this site. This site will only capture those with the highest level of motivation because you have to be willing to endure pain in order to uh, apply or set up yourself as a potential lead. So it has a high appeal uh, for no one but will still work for those with the highest motivated users, and any leads you're getting right now are going to be exceptionally qualified from that standpoint, uh, which means that you've got a long ways to go, and we're going to talk about how you do that, moving from motivation to the next element of the conversion index, which is V, clarity of the value proposition. At the top of this page, I need to know in three seconds why I should stay here rather than look anywhere else for the solution to my problem. That is not clear. Should be there in a headline, integrated into your banner, lose the image on the left, 
create a real banner with less real estate, and we'll talk about the iPath in just a second. The biggest thing missing on the page immediately is the answer to two most important questions. Why, and this is always there, it's always lurking in the back of your mind, where am I at and what can I do here? What can I do here? What can I get here? It's not answered. Once you've answered those two instantly, that has to be instant because just being at a, knowing where you're at doesn't keep you there. But it does start the thought process properly. What can I do here is the next question that emerges in the, in the natural thought sequence. And the third question that has to be answered within the first four inches, four and a half inches of the page on your screen is why? Why should I look here rather than anywhere else? You see, all you can do at this point is not convince them to purchase or give a lead, but even you're trying to have a micro-value proposition. Please stay for three minutes and read the rest of my page. Here's why. That's what you're really answering. It's not the main value proposition. They're not going to buy from you yet. So you have a different value proposition. Why should I stay here rather than go anywhere else? So let's go back again. Your demand generation page, right at the top, in the first four and a half inches, four inches perhaps, needs to answer three questions. Where am I at? What can I do here? Why should I look here rather than anywhere else? Now, that is how you start to get the value proposition right. When you can answer that properly with a good headline, a good subheader, and some greeting text. Remember, people do not buy from websites. People buy from people. A website initiates conversation. If it doesn't, it's not a very good website, and it will not perform well. Tell them where they're at. Talk to them. Give them a paragraph. Initiate a conversation. There is no conversation here. There are just ugly boxes. Now, let's... Let's, let's keep going because next from value is uh, friction in our, in, our, in our convergence sequence. There is friction here. It's everywhere. The first friction comes not from the length of the form fields. I don't see a form. Not from the difficulty of the form fields. Again, I don't see a form. It's from a lack of clarity. Clarity creates psych uh, Confusion creates psychological resistance. When you're an iPath, you need to control what I see first, second, third, and fourth on this page. And if it's your own page, you need to control that with five things, size, color, shape, motion, and position. Use those elements to emphasize something over something else so that you can control what I see first, second, third, and fourth. My eye should travel from the top left down towards the center in a headline and vertically down the page so that my thoughts come in the right order. It should be very short on this page, enough reason for me to give you my name and express interest. That's all you need on this page. That's all you need. Once I have eliminated the friction that comes with a confusing eye path, then I look to the next thing, and it's vital. I want to move from friction to incentive. If that's not working enough, then compensate for the friction by giving me a good reason to give you my name today. Are you going to send me something that's going to help me solve my problem? Then I might be more interested. Can I get it right now? I might even be more interested. Which brings me to the next issue, anxiety. Anxiety is the last element in the conversion sequence. And as you're looking at this page, there is anxiety. So the first anxiety I have is, are these people even real? The page is so poorly designed, I'm not sure I trust them with my information. Remember something, your value proposition is communicated by more than words. Even the look and feel of your site communicates or contradicts your value proposition. I would move through those elements. I would move primarily through the clarity of the value proposition, friction, incentive, and anxiety. And if you've got a demand generation form, you need to look at that. And that's why my left nav would look like real nav. It would probably be blue underlying links are very simple and a lot shorter, and I wouldn't have any nav at all if it was just a landing page. My only nav, if I had to have nav, would probably be at the bottom. Depends on the nature of the business, but in many cases, that's the way it would be done. And incidentally, I would have uh, some kind of form that you could immediately sign up for more information, and that form would be embedded on multiple pages throughout the site. And then I would create information pages linked very well with SEO Organic that have that form embedded all throughout it, not just on one hero page that you try to drive them to. I hope this has helped you. I'm, I apologize for speaking rapidly. I'm just trying to help the most possible people in the time that we have, and our time is gone. I'm grateful for Brian Carroll's comments and Bob Kemper and Aaron Rosenthal. And, um, and uh, we want to just uh, keep working here to discover what works and communicate that information to you. And so I would ask you that if, you know, you have any thoughts or comments as to how we can help, if you found the day helpful at all, would you please use the Q&A feature to let us know, and we'll be reading your comments, cataloging them, looking for patterns in them, and trying to use them to make each presentation better. Uh, we've got a lot of research projects underway right now, 
and we're getting ready to initiate a whole bunch in the B2B segment regarding demand generation. And we, we, as we get those learnings and findings, we're going to be announcing them to you. And uh, our goal at Marketing Experiments is simply to optimize the sales and marketing process. And uh, we want to conduct experiments to do that and figure out what really works, not speculate. Thank you. Tell someone about us if you can. We would be most grateful, and we'll be back again in two weeks. There will be a survey, uh, too, at the end of this that we would find very, very grateful if you would take that survey. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it'll help us improve also. Thank you.